This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, how you doing tonight? NHL news today. Sidney Crosby going to miss at least six weeks after having wrist surgery. The GM of the Penguins, that still sounds weird to say. Ron Hextall says Crosby's been dealing with the injury for years and that the team looked at a bunch of uh, options that were going to be less invasive than surgery before deciding that they had to go ahead with the surgery to help out Sid the Kid. Penguins beginning training camp, of course, later this month. They open the, se- they open the season on the road against the champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's going to be on October 12th. Now, it looks like Crosby's return would uh, likely be around October 20th. So he could miss a few games at the start of the regular season. Blue Jays in action tonight. No score taking on the Yankees. That one in the middle of the third. How about the start tonight for Canada without Alfonso Davies taking on El Salvador in World Cup qualifying in Toronto. We're uh, now into the 39th minute of the game. Canada striking twice early. Atiba Hutchinson in the sixth minute. Jonathan David in the 11th minute and Canada up 2-0 on El Salvador. Of course, Canada with the tie last week against Honduras went into uh, Nashville on the weekend, got the tie against the United States. So now trying to get the win here on uh, home turf as they take on El Salvador. We will keep you updated on that game. And uh, yeah, Alfonso Davies, a big loss for Canada not to play in that game. We talked about it last night, went back to Germany to get treatment on an undisclosed injury. So hopefully he is okay, but this would be a big one for Canada tonight if they can uh, hang on to this lead. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad, the play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oilers and your Edmonton Elks. There were some schedule adjustments for the Oilers today. Now, I'm not going to break them all down individually because they're for games in April. Four games in April have been uh, altered as the NHL announced some changes to the regular season schedule today. You can go to the Oilers website or NHL.com to get those, but a, a few changes for games near the end of the season. Oilers have a preseason game on the 26th of October. That is a Sunday. Of course, we will have it for you here on 630 Chad. And we continue to get you ready for the Labor Day rematch coming up this Saturday. Elks against the Stampeders. Elks winning on Monday, 32-20, going for the sweep. And that kickoff is at 5. The countdown to kickoff here on 630 Chad will be at 3.30. Dave Morley... Eddie, Blake, we, we really will just put anybody on the Elks broadcast team and you can uh, take a swing at it. No, maybe, maybe not quite anybody. But uh, yeah, Elks looking pretty good in that game on Monday. James Wilder Jr., who we're hoping to connect with here in the first half hour of the show. Some big plays, and uh, he's been really good for the Elks this season, especially in the fourth quarter of their two victories, first against BC, uh, what, about three weeks ago now? And then again on Monday, even though he wasn't able to finish the game, he got a touchdown, had some good runs, that huge run to get the Elks out of the shadows of their own goalposts in the first quarter, taking it out from uh, the 10 almost all the way up to the 40. So he's been uh, a pretty important of the team, a pretty important member of the team very early on, as we hoped that he would be. Okay, we're going to call a quick timeout here. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Elks Radio 630 Chet. 
Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Tomorrow, we will have a an abbreviated edition of Inside Sports. We're just going to be on from 6 till 7. Uh, I believe at 7 o'clock tomorrow, we are... Uh, this is exciting, Kellen. We are airing the uh, series premiere of CSI Vegreville is on at seven o'clock tomorrow. So uh, Inside Sports will be done. Oh, hold on. Just getting some pass to me here. Yeah, I think that's the wrong. Copy. Oh, sorry. It's the le- it's the leaders debate tomorrow. There we go. It's yes, the the, 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 uh, the leaders debate uh, for the uh, what do we got a federal election coming up? I think that's mm-hmm. the Canadian one. Yeah, we got the federal election leaders debate tomorrow at seven. Uh, I, I believe a little later on we'll have the series premiere of uh, CSI Vegreville. Really excited. You weren't working last night, were you? Uh, I believe our guest is phoned up and he's ready to go here, Reed. Oh, do we have do we have James after all? We do, yeah. Okay, well, let's hear his highlight pack that we put together there. There's the snap, and Wilder will get it, and he gets a hole across the 20 to the 25, still going to the 30, still on his feet to the 40. Oh, my, what a run by James Wilder Jr., and just like that, the Elks are out of trouble. Harris takes the snap, drops back, looks, pulls it down, and throws to the far side. It is complete inside the five. Touchdown, Andler up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. James Wilder Jr. gets his first in green and gold. Edmonton takes the lead. All right, big game for James Wilder Jr. on Monday, who joins us now on Inside Sports. James, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? Well, we're doing very well. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. And when I say how are you doing, I want to ask you that in the context of uh, you looking a little uncomfortable late in Monday's game. You had to go to the sidelines after making some really big plays. I know you tweeted uh, after the game that you were doing okay, but I'm wondering if you can just kind of tell us uh, what happened and uh, what the recovery was like from from that discomfort you experienced. Oh, yeah, man. Um, I think I was just... uh, fatigued man i was fatigued and i kept trying to go and kept trying to go through it and um you know my my, my chest just tightened up on me and um <laughs> obviously i had to come off the come off the field at that point but i think it was just uh like like i said in my tweet i think it was just a mixture of uh you know being quarantined in, in, in your home you know for, for 10 days man and then coming back out with only two days of practice three days of practice it's not you know, you won't you won't be primed out. Um, you know how you've been before. So, I think it was a little bit of that with the um, a little bit of that with the heat, with the day games, with with my asthma. I think it just all came into one, and and it got the best of me in the fourth quarter. I tried to push through it, but it got to the point where you know, I, I just couldn't give any more. Yeah, well, if you, like I said, you did come up with some pretty uh, pretty big plays. We just played the the highlights of a couple of them. First of all, tell me about that run from your own Ted yard line where it looked like you might be stopped two or three times along the way. And you were literally dragging guys with you as you picked up almost 30 yards for the Elks. Oh yeah, no, for sure, man. I, I love it. <clears throat> we keep coming into these games, fourth quarter, um, needing to run the timeout or needing to, you know, get some time off the board, off the clock. So um, it's something I take an extreme pride in and our line does as well. Uh, we know, the whole stadium knows we're going to run. Everybody who's watching on TSN knows we're going to run the ball. And, um, you know, to be able to have a team just still not be able to stop it, that, that's what it's all about, uh, being a running back. You know, for me, that, that's the best feeling. So um, us in the O-line, we just, we just did a good job and bust some good runs in there, man. The holes were there, broke some tackles, and um, just did what we did best and how we practiced. 
And you also scored a pretty big touchdown in that game, a play where you were, uh, I guess, kind of a safety valve for Trevor Harris. He found you underneath, and then you had to beat a guy one-on-one to get into the end zone. What was going through your mind on that play? Man, I was just, um, as I came out of the backfield, uh, I had a little T-check, and um, you can kind of see who's in front of you, you know, before we turn around. And I seen where one of my receivers was on his check down, and I knew we had a lot of space and a lot of sideline, and it was one guy covering both of us. So I kind of tried to, like, just ease out and kind of backpedal out, and Trev ended up, um, I think I was, you know, his safety, his safety check down, and he found me, and once I got the ball in my hand, you know, getting that close to the end zone, I, I was definitely overdue for one. <laughs> we scored, so um, it was just something that I had to get in, um, got the touchdown. Okay. Great feeling. Kept, I, I kept the ball. Yeah, I kept the ball, and I am um, mailing it back home. Oh, good man. Okay. Well, yeah, that was a big one for sure. And, you know, both the plays I referenced, you had to beat one or more guys one-on-one while they were hanging off you. And and I've noticed that from you this year and seeing you play earlier in your CFL career that you're good at surviving contact and still gaining yards. Where does that skill come from? Is that something you had to learn how to do? I mean, it's easy to say, well, just don't give up. But, I mean, you have to have power and technique, I assume, to make those things happen as well. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> just like, um, so just balance. So a, a lot of balance, a lot of understanding angles. Um, I, I'll say that's the biggest piece, man. Uh, my brother, working with my brother and my pops just pretty much my whole life with some drills that don't seem like as much, but just understanding angles. Because if you understand angles, you know, you, you can break tackles. You can break a lot of tackles just simply understanding angles. And then pride. <clears throat> you know, I, I have a lot of pride. I'm one of the biggest running backs in the game. So I have to, you know, I, I want to have pride and try to have the most yards after contact. Um, that's something I take pride in, and I try to make it, you know, make it seen and make it felt uh, every play. I've noticed, too, that especially the last two games, you've done some of your best work in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, like I said, <clears throat> you could – um you can try to tap into that zone, man. You can try to tap into that zone the whole game, but it's just one of those situations, you know, you know, 10 seconds, LeBron got the ball, gets the ball type situation in that basketball, um, in that sport. But with football, for a running back, it's like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to run the ball. You have to, I don't know, you just get into this zone. <laughs> you just get into this zone, this prideful zone where everybody knows you're getting the ball. You see everybody's on defense, even the DBs staring at you, the corners staring at you, they're all inching in. And it's um it's just like a personal challenge that I um that I love to embrace, man, and just love to go against. And like I said, with the um it gives a lot of confidence. It gives me a lot of confidence with the O line that I have too. So <laughs> it makes it a lot easier for me. All right, James Wilder Jr. from your Edmonton Elks joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Tell me what it was like to be part of the Labor Day Classic. And I know you've played on Labor Day before for other teams in the CFL and certainly throughout your football career, you've been a part of big rivalries. But what was it like being an Edmonton player in Calgary for the first time on that day for you? Man, it felt great, man. You know, we, we've heard the stories. We talked to coaches about the history. We watched the videos about the history and, and past players who's played in the game and the history. Um, it was no secret that... Uh, that, you know, Edmonton, Edmonton lost, I think, or haven't won there in, in, in a very long time. But, I mean, we're, I don't want to say, you know, we're a new team or nothing like that, but, you know, we're the Elks. It was something that I know I was taking pride on. Like, hey, we're the Elks. The Edmonton Elks haven't lost 
um, <laughs> to Calgary in, in Calgary. So we're going to go 1-0. and That was just a mindset that I've had. And I told a couple of guys on the team as well. But, man, the atmosphere was crazy. That place was that place was sold out. That place was freaking sold out. It was loud the whole game. The Jets flying over. I just I missed it, man. It was everything that I couldn't wait for um, while while sitting out during the with the whole missed season. Well, and missing the story for this season, James. You got the cold team players So, a lot of talk with the fan base was um, how are they going to deal with it? Which way are they going to go? You guys faced some adversity and you came back with a pretty strong performance. Um, you know, just it, it, tell me about the team, uh, you know, being able to do that, uh, where that come from. Cause I'm, I'm sure, you know, as an athlete, you understand the, you probably understand the concerns uh, fans had coming out of that layoff and, and having, you know, a, a situation that obviously wasn't, uh, I'm sure pleasant for anybody to deal with. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm, I'm a fan of sports, too, so I know how it is. Uh, but, you know, we got them. We got them, man. We we came out early, um, and, we, and we went to bed and shot ourselves in the foot like we did last game. But it was a lot more before. Like I said, we've been out of ball, man, for so long. So, And we have so many players that new elements to the team that never played together, you know. So, I mean, I think it was just really just kind of getting that groove, and you can kind of start to see uh, start to find that groove. At first, you seen we we couldn't even get into the end zone. You know those first two games, we were still you know coming together as one for our offense. And now you have Trevor throwing four touchdowns, <laughs> throwing four touchdowns and dropping back, throwing 300 yards like it's nothing. So, um, I mean, I think we're coming together, man. We need the fan base. We love our fan base. We need them to stand strong behind us, um, where we can put on a great show in front of them and um, continue this journey. Okay, I'm going to ask you one more. James Wilder Jr. joining us tonight on Inside Sports. And, and you know, you, Matt O'Donnell referenced that after the game, too, that, you know, no preseason maybe hindered you guys there out of the gate. And certainly a lot of things clicked better on uh, on Monday. So you're a running back. Which of these do you yep. believe in when it comes to football philosophy? You use the run to set up mm. the pass or you use the pass to set up the run? <laughs> Do you use the run to set up the pass, or do you use the pass to set up the run? <clears throat> well, I'm a running back, so uh, you know I'm I'm gonna say you use you use the run to uh, set up the, set up the pass. Um, and I, I'll say that because I mean if you if you see it all the time from little league, high school, college, NFL, CFL, if if your team can't run the ball, you're you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win a championship if your team can't run the ball. You have to be able to establish the run game. Because once you can establish the run game, they're going to have to respect it and fill the box. And then you can just beat them with little picks here and there. You got If you got a great quarterback on your team, which we do, my QB1 is great. So uh, you can just start to uh, kind of pick those lanes if they fill the box. And if they never fill the box, if you have a great O-line and a great running back, which um, I feel like we're putting on right now, we can just keep running the ball. And um, our O-line has pride in running the ball. Me as a running back have pride in running the ball, and we have some great receivers that have pride in blocking. So, same thing with me, man. I run the ball to try to open up those deep passes for the receivers, man. It all works hand-to-hand, and our offense, we understand that. <clears throat> I know it wasn't about us, but I'm just tooting horn a little bit because I love our team, man. <laughs> right on. Okay, I'm gonna, I got one more quick one for you before I know you got to go. Uh, NFL starts tomorrow. Yeah. Do you have a Super Bowl prediction? I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, yeah, this spot should be easy. Everybody already know I'm rocking with the Bucks. Um, I'm from Tampa Bay. Pops <laughs> play for Tampa Bay. 
I could never. So when I was in the NFL, I had to pretend like I wasn't, you know, a Bucks fan because obviously I wasn't on the Bucks. But huge Bucks fan, man. And um, yeah, they're gonna take it. They're gonna take it all the way. Again, back to back, by the way. Yeah, well, they're looking good again. Well, they got all their starters back, and uh, and Brady's ready Everybody. to go. But uh, that's uh, what uh, he looks like. He's about twenty four years old, still going strong. So there you go, James. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's been fun watching you play so far. I'm looking forward to the rematch on Saturday. Thanks for checking in on Inside Sports. Man, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. That is G. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. James Wilder Jr. from the Edmonton Elks making some big plays for the team as they've recovered from an 0-2 start to get to 2-2. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. We were talking about Darnell Nurse on the show last night with Oilers General Manager Ken Holland. I got some uh, reaction to his interview that I'm going to get to here in a couple of minutes. Of course, you can always get in touch on the hotline presented by Certain Teed Professional Grade Building Materials. Our number is 780-496-0063. You can email me inside sports at 630ched.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. I might have the most mundane account on Twitter. But uh, if you like to find out what's on the show or what's going on at Oilers practices, when we get into those again, you can follow me at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Now into the second half in Toronto, World Cup qualifying Canada and El Salvador. 48th minute, Canada with a couple of early goals, two in the first 11 minutes, and uh, they have a 2-0 lead trying to get their first victory of the uh, 14-game tournament that will lead into uh, the World Cup. Canada has to finish in the top three out of eight teams to get a spot. Uh, If they don't get in the top three, then they'll uh, hopefully be fourth or fifth and have to play against teams from other qualifying regions to try to get in. Top of the fourth, Blue Jays now leading the Yankees 1-0. We will keep you updated there. Sidney Crosby out six weeks for the Penguins wrist surgery so uh, likely to miss about the first week of the regular season if that time frame uh, di- uh, time frame does indeed turn out to be accurate cam moon's coming up later on tonight always enjoy talking to mooner play-by-play voice for your oilers here on 630 chet and the oilers radio network he just texted me that he was listening into the james wilder jr interview i believe uh now see we, we might have a problem this year I, I hope not. Well, I'll have to ask Mooner about this. Uh, Mooner loves the Edmonton Elks. And I did receive a couple of text messages during the game on Monday from a very anxious young Cam Moon who was quite <laughs> engaged in the game and uh, perhaps was um, interacting with his television set. <laughs> really inter- well, he was, you know, he was, he was yelling at the TV. That's, a, that's, a, oh, okay. that's what I'm saying. That's allowed. That's fine. Uh, so, you know, we, we'll hopefully... He doesn't burn out his voice for Oilers broadcasts by uh, going nuts during his Elks games as we go into the fall here. We, we didn't have this problem last year. We would have liked to have it. Uh, but, of course, because there was no CFL season last year. Anyway, we'll deal with that as we go on. I, I want to just catch up on some uh, texts and emails I've received 
Um, well, mostly over the last 48 hours, a couple I, I was kind of uh, just put aside for a chance where we might have time to dive into them uh, a little deeper. Um, but I got uh, a fair bit of reaction from Ken Holland being on the show last night. And before I get to the clip, I'll, I'll read the uh, email here that I got from Michael about one part of the interview. So I'll read what Mike wrote, and then we'll we'll revisit what Ken Holland said on this issue. So Michael wrote in. He said, Hi, Reed. I was disappointed with what I heard from Mr. Holland in reply to your question about his team handling COVID protocols. I would have liked to hear the GM of an NHL team state the goal is to have 100% vaccination on his roster, but instead he rambled on about personal choice. This worries me that some Oilers players will not be vaccinated. The last thing I want as a fan are postponed games and my team having a crammed in schedule. Look what, uh, look what the Elks will have to go through at the end of the season. So that's a message I got from Michael about uh, Ken Holland's response to my question about, well, here I actually worded the question and, and we'll get to the answer. I, I asked Ken, I said, are you comfortable with the Oilers vaccination rate and with the team attitude towards dealing with COVID? I think for the most part, um, you know, obviously vaccinations are, you know, it's a choice, um, you know, and and, uh, I think many people, most people uh, in all walks of life, I I don't know, I don't know what the odds, what the numbers are, the percentage, but uh, lots of people decide that uh, they want to be vaccinated and some for personal reasons um, don't want to be vaccinated. And I think probably... um, you know what goes on in the real world always obviously goes on in uh, you know the NHL and all these other leagues and and, and uh, you know it's and, and it rarely is something a hundred percent so uh, you know obviously we're two weeks away here from training camp and we're probably you know we play I think eight preseason games seven of them in uh, in Canada one in uh, against Seattle and then our first three home games are uh, in Canada so we're probably uh, you know, good six weeks away from from when we travel. So uh, we'll see what where we're at here uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're all waiting for information. You know, as we go along, are things going to change? Are they going to remain the same in terms of uh, you know the border? Uh, either last year there was a national ex- interest exemption. Uh, right now there's not. So you know, there's lots of unknowns. Nobody knows how COVID's going to go. You know, it's 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 a guessing game. Obviously, there's the you know the Delta variant. So there's so many unknowns that um, take it day by day, and and we try to uh, educate our players. You know, Doctor Naidu, our team doctor, um, who's also I think involved with the Edmonton Eskimos. He ran the NHL bubble in Edmonton, and um, TD Force. You know, we 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 want to make sure that we keep our players as informed um, as we can on a, on a, on a regular basis as to, um, you know, the protocols and, and, and how they, how it's going to affect um, our team and them individually. All right. So, so that's actually how Ken Holland answered the question. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that he, he rambled on about personal choice, but he did emphasize that that's the situation with the players. We, we do know from a lot of reports over the last week or so here that uh, between 90 and 95% of NHL players are vaccinated. We know from what the NHL has put out in recent days that basically life is going to be better, especially on the road for vaccinated players. You'll be able to do more. You'll have fewer restrictions on you. Um, 
you know, if a, if a vaccinated player um, gets COVID, then, you know, he'll be placed on the injured list while an unvaccinated player can actually be, you know, suspended on kind of a day-to-day basis. So uh, it's interesting what Michael wrote in. Um, I, I think that because there is a players union involved here, a players association, I think that's why you don't hear managers in the league coming out and saying, well, it's got to be 100%. That's what we, that's what we want. Um, I mean, clearly they've said they want vaccinations and they want as many players as possible to get it. Um, but I, I think probably in this situation, the Players Association uh, might have something to say if uh, a GM or an owner or somebody like that was was really strongly saying, look, this has to be 100% or you're going to be cut if if you're not on the team or if, if you're not vaccinated or things like that. And, and we've had that discussion around NFL teams. By the way, the national... And I'm curious what, what you think about this. Like, if... if and I, and I, and I know uh, there are s- several other shows on this station and others that are doing vaccination debates all day long because that's one of the big stories in the world. I, I don't want to approach it from that angle, but I, I mean, part of the fun of being a sports fan is you get to sit in your armchair and be the armchair center coach, goaltender, quarterback, whatever. If you're the owner of a pro sports team, are, are you putting that on your players? And we talked a lot about this with the Elks over the last couple of weeks as they were going through their COVID outbreak, that if the games aren't played, the players don't get money. In the CFL, you could risk forfeiting a game if it doesn't get played. Uh, or as the Elks, and Michael referenced this in his email, or, or the Elks could wind up playing three games in seven days, and it's going to be pretty darn hard to win all three of those on the road, crammed in in a space like that. Um, you know, So if, if you were the owner of a team, what would you be telling your players? Would you be, you know, making it as mandatory, making them feel like it was mandatory, even if you couldn't totally come out and say that if if, if there's a union involved? That, that's what I'm curious. If you want to chime in at 780-496-0063, because I think that to me, that that's really what it's about. If if you don't have, if, if you don't have games, uh, you don't have fans watching, and maybe you don't have paychecks, and and that's bad for the sport, bad for the team, bad for the players overall. That's that's kind of how I see it, as opposed to necessarily making it a uh, you know a vaccine debate. And Blake Dermott said it very well on this show last week that professional sports is is a very specialized and unique environment, and it, it's it's hard to directly compare it to other workplaces because everybody is intertwined and everybody has rules to follow and everybody depends on everybody else being healthy and responsible and doing all those things to have to do your job. That That's kind of how I look at it. Uh, but again, curious what you think on this, 780-496-0063. Uh, Margaret uh, sent me this message. <laughs> I like this one. Margaret said, I don't really want to get into a debate about vaccine passports, but uh, I, as a fan, will have to be vaccinated to go to an Oilers game. Yet the players who are performing for me don't. Seems weird that I'm more than the players. And Margaret concludes by saying, maybe the Oilers will ask me to kill a few penalties or have a go in the shootout. That is, uh, that's some interesting perspective for Margaret and not the first person I've, I've heard that from, from fans who have said, okay, uh, these are the rules. 
I mean, Oilers games for the entire season, you'll have to have proof of vaccination or proof of a negative COVID test 48 hours or less before the game to get in. For the Elks, that's not going to be in effect on their games in September on the 11th and the 18th, but it will be in effect starting in October. I, I've had had fans say that to me. It's like, okay, so uh, I got I got to be vaccinated as someone who wants to go watch this team, yet the actual employees of the company um, – <laughs> that are, are putting this on me. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're not worried about their employees being, being vaccinated, but you know, you know, again, I, I think that we, we kind of know why that's happening. Ian uh, from North of Spruce Grove. He says, if I'm the owner of a sports team wins and money are more important than catering to someone willing to put his teammates at risk. I would cut any player who wasn't vaccinated short and sweet there from Ian. And uh, Dennis says, it's no business of mine if an NHL player or any pro athlete is vaccinated. If he misses a few games with COVID, it's no different to me than if he misses a few games with a sprained ankle or whatever. No pro athlete is going to die of COVID, so a player should do what he wants without any interference. From- First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. As manager, that is uh, from Dennis. 780 So email insights.com. Back after the break. Hutchinson, David, and now Buchanan, the goal scorers for Canada into the 63rd minute against El Salvador. 3-0, Canada leading that one. So uh, looking very good to improve to a win and two draws in this final stage of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. We will go to the Certainteed Hotline, 780-496-0063. Steve has decided to give me a ring tonight. Good evening, Steve. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, Reed, just a comment about the, the COVID stuff. That last analogy comparing it to sprained ankle is ridiculous. Athletes train to avoid spraining their ankles. They use strength training and other things. And if they sprain their ankle, they're not spraining the ankle of their teammates. Like it's, vaccines work. Follow the science. Stop being ridiculous. So if you were the owner of a team, would you say, look, you're getting it or you're off my team? Or would you have some respect for players with reluctance or differing opinions? How would you handle it if you were an owner? 100%. If I'm an owner, I lose money when my team has to forfeit games. It's ridiculous. It's a business. Like, let alone from the health of your athletes, the reasons we're not getting it are frankly wrong. We have five and a half billion doses of vaccine doled out around the world. If there was a problem with it, we would know. Well, I, and, and I think, and again, here's where I come down on it, and, and we've seen it in this city. Um, I mean, the Elks lost out on the opportunity to play a game that I think we can say they had a pretty darn good chance to win, given what happened on Labor Day, because Toronto didn't look very good. And now that's crammed in later in the season. And, you know, I don't know if you were listening when it was going on a couple of weeks ago, but I, I got a couple of really angry emails from fans, like like mad at the team. And I know you don't want to kind of blame somebody for getting COVID, but 
you know, I, I, you know, one guy wrote in and said it's a team. It, it should be 100%. You know, I lost a chance to watch them. And this was when we, Steve, as you probably remember, like there was a chance they could have forfeited this game, right? So to me, that's sort of the bigger, uh, the, the bigger picture in the world of sports. You need, you need to win, you need to play to make money. Owners, players, coaches, everybody. And then you want to, you know, you want to entertain the fans, especially given everything that's going on in the world. I completely agree, but again, that's what you said, like about not blaming people for getting COVID. I'd actually disagree at this point. Our country is one of the lucky few in the world that has more than enough vaccine for all its citizens. Like if you're getting COVID at this point, it's because you've chosen not to take a vaccine that works. So I think if you get COVID, basically you should be blamed. There are some unlucky vaccinated people that get it, sure, but they're not the ones transmitting to other people. They're not the ones taking up ICU beds. Like, it's just the selfishness and ignorance is getting so frustrating when so many of us have followed the rules. We've gone through however long, well over a year and a half of restrictions and isolation and everything else, just to have, like, a full quarter of our population making idiotic decisions based on pseudoscience and, like, mommy blogs on Facebook. It's ridiculous. Steve, and I again, appreciate like, from you. The, from the, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I appreciate your passion, and I appreciate that you listen. I am going to end it off with a sports question. Um, we're getting into the fall here. What's in, What's on your radar? NFL, Elks, are you waiting for Oilers to start? What are you thinking? Uh, pretty much just Oilers. I'm following the Elks a bit, but I'm excited for hockey to start again. I'm excited to go to a game, that's for sure. So that'll be okay. really good. All right. Thanks. Well, thanks, Steve. We'll talk again, okay? Hey, have a good one. All right, that's Steve, 780-496-0063 with uh, some pretty strong comments there about he would uh, how he would handle vaccinations on a, on a sports team that he owned and some things he uh, sees going on in society as well. I, I mentioned Ken Holland on the show last night, um, and I, I mentioned uh, just I sort of some compiled some reaction to the interview here and getting it today. Uh, Tyson wrote in. He says, weird to me that Kyler Yamamoto doesn't have a deal yet. The Oilers have limited cap room, and Yamamoto didn't exactly light it up last season. Not sure what he thinks he has when it comes to bargaining power. Uh, Still think he's a good piece to have, but he belongs on the third line, probably not quite good enough to play with Leon or Connor. That is from Tyson. Here's what Ken Holland had to say about the status of the contract negotiations with Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, I've touched base with his agent, uh, J.P. Berry, in the last couple of days. We plan to talk. Um... Obviously, we've got uh, work to do or else he would be signed by now. Um, you know, anytime there's a player who's not signed, there's a difference of an opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, basically uh, we talked a lot all oh, three, four weeks ago and then kind of decided to kind of let's take a break. And again, much like I said with Darnell Nurse, it's, uh, you know, let a marketplace sort of uh, surface, you know, get some comparables. And, uh, you know, we plan to talk here in the next uh, next couple of days, and we'll see if um, we can find a solution. Certainly, uh, um, the, 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 the plan is to get him signed here at some point in time and, 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 and prior to training camp, because ideally I'd like to get into training camp um, with everybody signed. But at the same time, it's, it's you know, the, there's the business aspect of hockey, and, and the deal's got to make sense for Kyler and his agent. And, it's also got to make sense for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, so still seeing where that goes uh, with Yamamoto. I don't, I don't know when that's going to be done. I mean, I heard Stoff talking about it today as, as well. He referenced that clip from Holland, and it, it, it is a little curious to me that this is uh, dragging on. I will, uh, I will somewhat agree with Tyson that I don't think there's a huge amount of bargaining power here for Yamamoto. So I'm not really sure how much money they're they're actually debating as we move towards a new deal. 
will he be on a line with Leon or Connor? Tyson, I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's a lock that he starts in the top six. I, I wonder if Cassian gets a look, and I know this probably won't be popular with many of you, but I still wonder if Kyle Turris gets a look up there just to give him one more shot as a veteran player to see, you know, maybe as a, as a top six right wing, maybe with Nugent Hopkins and, and Dreisaitl, if we're assuming that Hyman, McDavid, and Pugliarvi are together. I wonder if Turris at, at some point gets a look on the second line as well. All right, we got the news and weather, and we'll tell you why the Grey Cup is coming to town. And what's, what's the spirit of Edmonton able to do here? They didn't have the Grey Cup last year. What's going on with them? All ahead. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.